0: in your area. Uh, hi, everybody. It is me. It is your lovesick girl wizard, Holden McNeely. Uh, Jake, I'm very interested in what you're going to choose as the bruiser moniker this week.
1: Hey, hey, get out of my area. What are you doing? Hey, what are you four girls doing in my area? Hey, hey, <laughs> stop, stop. I, sus- I distinctly cut off this area for my own use and you four very fashionable, skinny, professional dancers are just, get out, get out of my area.
0: But we're the lovesick girls. Um, I don't
1: care. If, <laughs> oh, no, they're hitting me with that doo 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 doo. No. All right, you can have my area.
0: This is an interesting character that you've developed for the, our, our intro, Jake. Uh, what do Get you call this?
1: Get out of this?
0: my area! <laughs> um, okay, whatever. We're doing we're doing uh, Blackpink this week for Wizard and the Bruiser. Uh, one that speaks to my heart. I uh, just super fell in love with this group over the past year or so. And today we are joined by an incredible special guest because Jake sometimes just like magically summons these incredible guests. <laughs> we have Internet's Nathan... Joining us from uh, YouTube, uh, someone who Jake knew about. Uh, I'm so happy to be introduced to your work, Internet's Nathan, because uh, I have, and I will start calling you Nathan after this, but I <laughs> am going to call you Internet's Nathan a couple more times. All right. Internet's Nathan, I've really been into your work on YouTube, and just especially as a person who knows not shit about this, uh, it has been really awesome to uh, enjoy your wonderful videos and really giving me such a crash course and not just the history of Blackpink, but the history of uh, K-pop. So thank you for being here.
4: All right. Thank you for having me, man. Um, I believe this is my first podcast. Oh, cool. Aside from my own what? that I started that never continued. But
0: <laughs> Well, don't worry. We, you, you're our guest. We're not going to put you on the spot too much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can always just be like, um, delete that part where I just started <laughs> drooling and like had nothing to say. It'll be totally fine. Uh, we're, okay. we're, we're pros in the biz at this point. Wouldn't you say, Jake?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely the most professional podcast of uh, of our generation. We personally shame all those really well-funded, highly produced NPR podcasts every week. <laughs> We're like Reply All for nerd shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Nathan, I, I kind of just wanted to ask about how you got into K-pop in general, you know, because there's been this... They call it the Hallyu Wave, this kind of Mm -hmm. uh, decades-long surge in K-pop's popularity on the global scale. Uh, But most people listening probably are only familiar with bands like Blackpink and BTS that have emerged just in the past four years. So Mm -hmm. uh, what's your journey in this genre?
4: Well, um, you know, everyone like to say that it's a special time for them, you know, their first time. In K-pop. Uh, but uh, for me, it, it wasn't that special. Um, there was a little song that came out that was kind of a viral hit. Uh, everyone knows Psy Gangnam Style, right? <laughs>
0: uh-huh. <laughs> uh, There's a lot of people's gateway, uh, I would yeah. say, to the genre.
4: Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And it was definitely mine. Um, I watched it, when it came out. when it came out. I was... In high school at the time, and then I watched it. You know, HyunA. I don't know if you know HyunA was in the music video featuring. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, stopped for a second. I was like, "How can I make my whole life about this?" <laughs> and uh, boom, we're here. <laughs>
0: Hell yeah, that's amazing. And uh, I, I mean, it sounds like you started kind of like us, where it was like, "I guess I'll just start screaming a show," as Jake said earlier, off recording into the void for long enough, and then people start paying attention. And uh, I, I think what you're what you're doing for um for us noobs i guess i'll refer to myself as is is really fantastic because there's just such a wealth of material on your youtube page internets nathan to really guide to really hold the hand of the um of the amateur k-pop fan through Mm. some of the just a lot of different things there's so much drama there's so many there's just so many groups there's there's uh, so much of a, a culture within the culture. Uh, I feel mm. like that, uh, surrounding the creating of these like mega superstars and superstar groups. That's a little different, but a little a little similar, but a little but very different at the same time from like an American system of creating hits and hit makers and stuff mm. like that. For sure, yeah. It almost sure. reminds me more of the country music industry. In America, almost maybe more than even the, like, pop industry here.
1: The closest industry I go is compared to is professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> because there's, like, a layer of kayfabe that is, as these big uh, corporations present their, you know, characters, there's the air like, level where the people who actually know how the game is played and still appreciate it. And then there's, like, all the drama and all the reality behind the scenes that are you know, tightly controlled and is like this deep web of all these intrigues and different interests kind of battling it out. And it just so happens that instead of cool fights between sweaty men, it's uh, Billboard 100 chart topping bops. Mm
5: -hmm.
0: But if, if they started getting into fights at like the end of the song, I think that could maybe take it to the next level. Honestly, I
1: would pay good money to have Stray Kids <laughs> and NCT 127 just rage in the cage at the, like, at the Mama Awards. See, I know the lingo. I got it. I'm good. <laughs> I'm cool. So we
0: always call it the gush at the beginning of the show. You kind of gave yours with uh, Gangnam Style, I would mm. say, specifically for Blackpink. I think they, they were really, for me, the, I mean, of course I remember uh, Gangnam Style like was into that. But I think they were the first group that I started actively being like, oh shit, they got a new single out. Oh shit, they got, the album's gonna drop. Like, this is a really big deal. Like, I remember when when the album, it's called just the album, dropped, and I was just, I stopped everything and listened to it. I think that was the first K-pop that broke that barrier for me of being someone I follow just as much as I follow, like, other big pop stars and stuff. And just love their, I, I, you sent that little infographic, Jake, just a little while ago to me of, like, where they lie in the kind of, like, badass versus cute, Sexy versus whatever uh, kind of graphic, and I think that's why they strike me so much because I'm not like hubba hubba necessarily the whole time. It's not like a horniness thing. It's actually like I just like their fucking attitude. I like what they bring to the stage. You know what I mean? And especially I got I got real real drunk and watched the um, the documentary on Netflix, and I think that's what really cemented for me. Um, my fandom for them because I just really enjoyed how they came across in that documentary I love them they're like all the footage of them at Coachella and all that good stuff and it actually for the first time I felt like I was getting slightly the real deal behind the act uh, with that (laughs) documentary as well the curtain just slightly was pulled back I feel (laughs) like it's so protective uh, everybody's identities and and everything, um, their their real lives, their you know any kind of drama or dirt is is so at least attempted to be covered up and not really sh- revealed to the public. So that was, I think, a, a big thing for me. Uh, Jake, you, I mean, Blackpink's not like your number one though, like it is for me. I think what you you what's the group you're really it's the insane 80 person me and me
1: and marie got sucked into uh the k-pop group nct127 purely because of the youtube algorithm like they were having a promotion it got served to us on a whim and uh just the intensity of the visuals the ways that k-pop songs uh a real K-pop banger is almost three hit songs in one. Like the bridge, the chorus, the verses. They'll switch styles. They'll kind of take all these things that make a number one hit song, whether it's like a blaring uh, synth hook from an EDM song, uh, just like a cool like uh, rap phrase. Not rap phrase. You know how in rap songs they'll just like coin a term? and they'll just repeat it, and all of a sudden it just enters everyone's vocabulary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, like, it has that kind of cool level to it. And then just, like, cutting-edge visuals where, you know, in all these quick shots, you'll see these pop stars, like, on these elaborate sets and elaborate costumes, and they'll change costumes, and just within a three-minute span, you are just inundated with pleasing noises, pleasing visuals, and you're just drawn into their world. And definitely Blackpink's music videos just hit super hard. Yeah, like there's a reason videos. why they broke all those records. Uh, I believe it was "Doo do 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 Uh was the first time I had to like, just sit back and go like, holy shit. Yeah. What that like, wow. It was that. <laughs> and then kill this love. Like just, mm-hmm. I feel like
0: was such a fucking statement uh, as well. And that was pretty much when I was like fully on board. What about you? Internet, Nathan. What about you uh, uh, in terms of Blackpink and, Just uh, generally like the current where you're at in terms of fandom with current K-pop.
4: Well, I feel like you guys explain like your faves at the moment, right? So, yeah, for me, I know it's the Blackpink episode, but yeah, but it's fine. (laughs) Okay, a lot of people know me for uh, my uh, love for uh, the girl group twice. You've probably seen some videos here and there. Uh huh. Um, mm-hmm. They're like the nation. They do the uh, fancy song, holding the one I showed yeah, you. Yeah, with it's the, it's uh, it's it's. yeah, that's one of their big ones. Um, they're like the nation's girl group, which is a term that's thrown around here. Uh, well, in Korea specifically for like representing Korea as a country like this is the group, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got into Blackpink. Well, I've been there since the debut because I've been in K-pop for too long. So uh, <laughs> I, I've seen them. And, you know, their sound and everything has, you know what, I haven't experienced too much change. It's just like evolving, you know, like evolving on top of each other. Um, Definitely changing a little bit of sound towards the Western market, as a lot of K-pop groups do nowadays. But, um, yeah, uh, I mean, Blackpink is probably the biggest girl group in the world um, for K-pop, I guess.
0: Yeah, I was saying to Jake when we were debating which episode topic to do cuz he was like uh, he was like, "Oh, not BTS." And I was like, "Well, BTS aren't on a Lady Gaga track like on her newest album currently, I would say. I think that there's just there's something about what's going on with them right now that's hitting especially in America um in a in a huge way. And again, that was another big moment when I was like, "Oh, wow, they're like on this, they're on like um, you know, they're on late night TV shows and they're, like they're just making such a big splash. Whereas, uh, uh, and I feel like we're gonna get to BTS eventually as well. And who knows, maybe even twice, and we'll just start going down the gamut. And then just we'll just have a K pop podcast, which is actually something I think Jake would love. Mm-hmm. I t- can we? <laughs> I, t- I
1: tried pitching it to Marcus, and he was like, What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> Uh, so anyways, let's jump into it. Let's get into, uh, by the way, a great tradition for this podcast is we don't get to the synopsis of actually what the topic is until way too late into the episodes. We are now 12 minutes in, when, and I will say Blackpink is a Southern Korean girl group formed by YG Entertainment, whose members are Jisoo, Jinny, Rose, and Lisa. They debuted in August of 2016 with their singles Whistle and Boobaya, and went on to become the highest charting female Korean act on the Billboard Hot 100. There are music videos for Kill This Love and How You Like That. Each set records for the most viewed music video within the first 24 hours of release and are the most followed girl group on Spotify. Listen to Spotify, unless you die. Uh, Spotify, like, owns us or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Either way.
1: they They don't, mm -hmm. they just have exclusive rights to kill us if they wanted to. They don't own (laughs) us. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, So let's get into a, I call this a brief history
0: of K-pop. We'll try not to dwell too long on on any one detail because we've got to actually get to Blackpink. But I do think it's important as our first K-pop episode to really talk about where the hell all of this came from. Um, and actually, it, could, it goes back quite a long way, at least when it comes to an American influence on Korean popular music. Uh, It can be traced back as early as 1885 when American missionary Henry Appenzeller taught American and British folk songs at school, which were called uh, Changa in Korean and generally expressed feelings against Japanese oppression that was happening during that time. And then later during the Korean War, you had USO shows uh, and the, that had, you know, South Korea getting acts such as Nat King Cole, Marilyn Monroe, Louis Armstrong. And, the, and that spread the popularity of Western music greatly. And also because of the effects of war on the economy, a good gig for many was to perform for the U.S. troops and clubs that held that sort of act starting started sprouting up all over the place. And these acts really took off after the South Korean economy started booming years after. But it wasn't really like the first um, crossover into America was the Kim sisters back in the late 50s. They sang country songs to U.S. troops. The U.S. troops then were like, hey, here's some rock albums. Why don't you get onto this shit? And then they were like, oh, this is awesome. So they expanded their sound. Eventually, they became a nightclub act in Las Vegas. They caught the eye of Ed Sullivan, who put them on his show over 20 times. And this brought a Korean rock sound to American audiences. Now we're starting to see. This pattern of music getting to Korea, music coming back from Korea, influencing American music, and uh, this little partnership kind of forms here. Uh, and then, of course, you have Beatlemania hitting uh, Korea during the sixties, just like it hit everywhere else. That spawned several rock bands. The first another of which was
1: very Ad- charismatic foursome.
0: Coincidence,
1: I think not.
0: <laughs> AD Four was the first rock and roll band coming out of Korea. The culture was also affected by the hippie movement with the youth in South Korea, as they were also uh, opposed to the Vietnam War, uh, rightly so, as the activist students were in the U.S. Uh, and then you come to the 80s. The 80s was the era of the ballad in Korea. Performers and songwriters were working together to create massive heartfelt hits that focused mostly on romance. Again, I think that kind of resembles like country music in America,
1: the country so- music industry, that is. One thing that we kind of, as we go from like the post-war period to the 80s, is that we usually think of South Korea as, of course, the chill Korea, the, the, the cool Korea. But even despite its more capitalist friendly kind of uh, uh, positioning, the country was still under very strict, very conservative uh, almost military dictatorships, essentially. Um, this is a very broad swath about a very complicated history of Korean politics, But it wasn't until 1987 when the country was officially a democracy. So uh, the ballads that you were talking about, these early pop groups were under strict scrutiny to be uh, to uphold moral values, to, you know, not uh, advocate degeneracy. And it really wasn't until the uh, 90s where the opening up of the country allowed kind of more fun, even like more attitude, more edginess to like, even be allowed to be broadcast within the country. So, like, the, what we know as the modern K pop movement really was a side effect of these relaxed standards.
0: And meanwhile, in America, hip hop is like starting to become a thing. And that's when we hit the 90s, and that's where we get to Seo Taiji. And boys. Uh, And I I know you've definitely... This is kind of where I feel like Internet's Nathan comes in. I mean, how would you describe Seo Taiji and boys and their influence on uh, the whole industry in Korea?
4: All right. First off, uh, my dogs want to get none on this. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah. So, man, you guys did... I, I, I don't go that far back. I go back to the 90s. You you definitely drop me off where I, I'm more familiar with the streets and, you know, the <laughs> avenues and stuff. But, um, yeah, Sotichi and Boys, they broke a mold for not necessarily K-pop groups, uh, but definitely hip-hop. Um, yeah. The 90s. uh and to 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 see their rise in such a short amount of time and then disbandment in such a short amount of time and the actual like um fans response to that was crazy uh, during that time reminiscent of
0: And uh you, you know. your your video on the history of YG entertainment had some great footage of people losing their ch- absolute shit mm-hmm. after SeTaiji
4: and Boys program trying up. to chase down their van and everything man <laughs> Yeah, I like I said it was reminiscent of like the Beatles and BTS almost. Um and all the way back then before the internet, before, you know, you could stream stuff. It was it was a wild time. I don't I can't even imagine.
0: So like one of the boys, by the way, spoiler alert, it goes on to create to establish YG Entertainment, which is where Blackpink come out of. And but I do think it's so important that uh hip-hop uh, like uh, base uh underneath ever, all of that stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons why I got really into Blackpink based on their, you know, especially over the past couple of years with their like flows, with their at- hip hop attitude mixed in with like really fun, just like jumpy pop music. It's, I think, what pulled me in that like fun- foundation of hip hop so important. Well, also, what I love too was reading that Seo Taiji. Um, he, uh, he was in a heavy metal band. Mm -hmm. The band broke up and he was just like, I'm gonna learn how to dance and rap. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, that's essentially how he ends up bringing in the guy he asked to help him learn how to dance. He ends up bringing him in and, and the other guy, um, what Yang Hyun Suk, I believe was also just like a super talented dude that he spotted that he pulled in to be one of boys. Um, the two boys and so yeah they they blow up uh the other cool thing too is he's experimenting with midi technology so taiji which was like pretty unheard of at the time in south korea and again such an important influence having this like electronic sound underneath it all as well and um so yeah so so at their first show a televised talent show they ended up getting the lowest rating from the jury Uh, And however, their song Nan Arayo becomes such a smash hit that it changes the face of Korean music and just it has this fun pop style, but with these upbeat rap verses and a ton of dance moves. I think everybody can see where this is going. In 1995, a record producer named Lee uh, Soo-man was who was educated in the U.S. and understood their hit making system founds SM Entertainment, and former Seo Taiji and Boys member Yang-Huk, uh, Hyun-Suk formed YG Entertainment, and then of course you have the third in the big three, JYP Entertainment, uh, which was formed in 1997, and that essentially, is that still today the, the three top dogs, is there anyone else in the game that's like, oh, on their level? Oh, there's a big dog there that is, has
4: emerged. <laughs> yeah, that came from the neighborhood over, um, now it's the big four, or top four. Okay. Uh, big Hit Entertainment. BTS Pangtae oh, okay. Um founded by uh, Bang Si-hyuk. He started out as a producer, and he worked hand in hand almost with uh, uh, Park jin Young from JYP, the founder of JYP, to establish his own label. They did a couple, you know, collaborations, creating groups like 2PM, 2 2AM, 2 uh, Glam, and then ultimately leads up to BTS, which no one saw coming. I don't even, I don't know if they did, but uh, that's. That's the introduction of the new Big Four as of now.
0: And they just released an album as well, and they are arguably bigger than Blackpink. That's why I keep saying, like, we'll probably do an episode on them as well eventually, but we're just
1: starting with Blackpink uh, slightly arbitrarily. So uh, an interesting thing that happens with the emergence of the Big Three, now top four, is uh, I believe it starts with uh, Lee Suman of SM Entertainment, but uh, all these cool street-wise Uh, You know, insanely popular hip hop influenced artists, uh, an issue comes up where uh, South Korea's less than chill Korea, as I hopefully established, uh, scandals are taking down these pop stars as soon as they arise. They get caught smoking weed. They say something they shouldn't say about politics. They get caught dating someone. Well, and and yeah, well, you're bringing up a bunch of rules they're breaking that I don't even know if people know the rules. So yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. you can't date. You can't even smoke marijuana, much less any like other drugs. This shit is like you know you've got like Ariana Grande fucking ripping on blunts and publicity. Making the stallion
1: would literally (laughs) bring about the collapse of their society. (laughs) So the uh, the SM's big uh, kind of contribution is they introduce this trainee uh debut system where they actually scout the acts the talent years before they even have a concept they even have songs they even have like an entire you know before they're even like they're basically you know young teenagers children and raise them up under very strict guidelines and very close observation and then again like wrestling create characters for them and push them out into the world. And this system is immediately adopted by all the other entertainment companies. So now, instead of just like scouting for talent and being like, yeah, I'll produce your records, now they are trained in how to dance, how to rap, how to sing. They're chosen to be like to fill individual roles within groups. They are given teams of producers and they are uh, kind of like a debutante, almost like taught the proper manners of how to be a pop star. And this level of control, this level of fine tuning, this level of like market focus creates even bigger stars than this initial wave. So like by the time we've hit the, uh, the, you know, mid to late nineties, now these pop stars are like lab grown to be like perfect marketable entities. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the first, forget, and
0: forgive me if I'm, I'm wrong on this, but I believe the first full-on boy band was uh, HOT, which stands for High Five of Teenagers. <laughs> yeah. this was, which I love, I love that. <laughs> this was the first pop group to sell a million albums and was set up by SM Entertainment shortly after you have the first girl group, which was formed, which is SES, which stood for each of their names, which were C, Eugene, and Shu, uh, uh, which had success up into the 2000s and was also SM Entertainment, So, right now, SM Entertainment at this point in like the early 2000s, like running the game. Also, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Nathan who's pronouncing shit correctly. (laughs) And I just want to apologize for all the mispronouncements I do. That's just,
4: it's my brand.
0: You know, it's just (laughs) one of my things. Yeah, I
4: don't know if I should have stepped in, but you know.
0: It's fine. Yeah, feel free anytime. Thank you. And thank you. You're killing it with that. Uh, But I I know that you've been like learning Korean, which is probably a smart move for your
4: line of work. Mm, Yeah, definitely. I I have a lot to go, (laughs) but uh, slowly pronunciation is a big, big part of it for sure. Hell yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, Nathan, do you have any perspective or like kind of uh, what is what is this kind of 90s, 2000s hip hop? Uh, K-pop era like what is the vibe what are people like throwing
4: down what are like the big trends 90s 2000 um, so we're talking about well a lot of K-pop fans and you know when you when you talk about the history of K-pop like to break it down in generations first generation hmm. second generation third we're kind of in the fourth four and a half I don't even know at this point because it's happening faster and faster but um, first generation HOT SES um, uh, God from JYP, they were your <sighs> K-pop groups that, if you compare them to nowadays, totally sure it was manufactured, yes. But to the point of it is today, definitely not. Um, you could compare some uh, choreography to that of today; it's definitely not at the same level. Uh, but the marketing is definitely what is the building blocks of K-pop were. And we definitely saw that in the first generation of k pop yeah, it was definitely hip hop centered based. whatever was coming out of America, it was just a back and forth um, between uh, America and Korea, uh, as far as music taste and and sound but definitely i don 't think k pop even today is like a huge listen the biggest listen genre in Korea, so at that time, I think it was like mm. folk music or uh, mm. What or the ballads, yeah, the ballads. Um, there's some kind of uh, trot music uh, in Korea. It's still huge. So, yeah, it was baby baby steps, but they were making large baby steps for sure in the first generation.
0: And the big I, a big turning point was with BoA, oh, right? Yes. And essentially crossing over into Japan, which according to Marie, um, she was saying that she we wouldn't have Blackpink without BoA. Uh,
4: this is what she said. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> was it's because it crossed over to J- i didn't say it, she said it right jake um uh no but but saying this she was the one the first one to to push uh k-pop into the japanese market which is sort of like the gateway drug to it getting in inter- going international actually.
1: okay what she said was the the weebs that were taking over the, the america the english-speaking internet got wind of boa because they were oh, okay. listening to a lot of J-pop mm-hmm. and therefore from there you got a pipeline from K-pop to the weebs in America and therefore that was the beachhead of like Tumblr users and you know li- and uh, blogs and all these things that when like this this bigger Korean wave hit uh that's how like those were the the shock troops of American fans mm-hmm. were first introduced with Uh, Bands like Boa and uh, later, Big Bang.
4: Yeah, uh, to touch on Boa real quick, uh, they definitely had a bit of a ceremony for her at the recent Mama Awards, which I didn't get a chance Mm. to watch, but I did see people talk about it. Um, Boa started training. She debuted when she was 15 or 16, I believe. Uh, Very young. Definitely a product of SM Entertainment's production, uh, you know, pre-debut system. Um, She... (sighs) As much as you want to say that it's formulaic of how these girls become successful, like like Jake said, it's pipelines. And some of it is luck. Um, Boa saying a couple of uh, anime openings. Ah. Uh, as much as K-pop fans like to not say it, K-pop fans, anime fans, you know, we're des- distant cousins. <laughs> um, some of us jump from, you
1: know, fandom to fandom. That's just because East Asia hit... Um late capitalism hellscape a couple years before America did and now it's like, oh man I don't know why, but these these songs about uh, technological alienation really hit
5: home for some reason Hi Max, I wanted to share something with you, I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one, I'm grateful for how you changed your life, I'm grateful for the love you have for me, I'm grateful for you, love mom
1: If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit CARON.org
2: slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
3: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
4: <laughs> yeah, um, Boa was... Uh, she, yeah, she's, she's definitely as... You, uh, you, would, you would say a legend in, in K-pop that's still going 20 years Still going. Um, She made her name in Japan first uh, before technically debuting in Korea. So people thought she was a Japanese artist. And then she came Ah. to Korea uh, to debut. Um, Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan. She definitely created huge strides uh, for K-pop. Now, Japan was like the first, you know, the the first new market that was, um, we thought was going to be, or K-pop thought it was going to be difficult to get into, but um, BoA did it pretty easily
0: so yeah that's when idol groups are popping all, all up all over the place mainly via these three production houses all through the 2000s and the evolution of J-pop at the same time uh, was going on there was a system created to dish out the hit makers left and right and this is when we get this uh, how you going this Korean wave of popularity of other countries for other countries, of the 21st century, especially with the rise of social media and viral videos, which, again, is how we get the lead up to size Gangnam Style music video becoming this like redi- this was a point in time. OK, I'm in New York City. I'm a struggling mm-hmm. um, comedian. I-, I thought all I had to do was like. Do a big comedy show that gets successful in New York City, and a producer will see it, and a manager will see it, which kind of happened, but all the while that was going on, it was like, wait, what's this YouTube thing? And then just the way to become huge completely changed seemingly overnight, to now you need to have a video with at least a million hits, and then you can get meetings with people, and that I think went from... That spanned everything, comedy, music, all of it.
1: Can I tell my own name drop story?
0: Yeah, you can tell your fun name drop story. I
1: was at the uh, Creek in the Cave, uh, uh, probably at the same night you were hearing about this. And a friend of the show and friend of our actual selves, Adam Conover, uh, was just hired as a writer at College Humor. And uh, he was like, hey, you know that Gangnam style thing? And I was like, oh, absolutely. He was like what if like we did a thing that was like Mitt Romney style? (laughs) And I was like, yes, you should absolutely do that. And he was like, are you sure enough this? And I swear this was before it hit a billion hits. And he was like, are you sure enough people will know what Gangnam Style is? And I was like, absolutely. It has all the hit. It's like foreign and quirky. It has the fake swag. Like they're honest. They're making, you know, Psy was making fun of this very hoity-toity region of soul. Like, it might as well call it, you know, Madison Avenue style. It might as well call it, you know, uh, Rodeo Drive style. Like, the whole point is he's juxtaposing, like, hip-hop swagger with, like, stayed old money. And, like, that's the exact same thing that, you know, Mitt Romney's throwing down. The parody works. Do it, do it, do it, do it. I promise you it'll work. And it became one of College Humor's biggest hits. And I'm pretty sure that's how he got me a job at Torkley's because I gave him that (laughs) advice. But yeah, no, Gangnam Style was, you know, it literally cracked the code because it was funny. And, you know, all the things about uh, K-pop that would be alienating, especially to a uh, 2000s America. uh, Oh, it's in a foreign language. Oh, these, you know, uh, this was at a specific time where pop music was kind of rejecting Uh, prefabricated pop and boy bands and stuff. But here's this kind of, you know, dumpy dude in a silly suit doing a silly dance. But the hooks, the song structure, the, you know, the, the formula that K-pop had refined by that point was so strong, it couldn't be denied. You know, that was uh, YG Entertainment. This is, this is, uh, this is, this, this is uh, Taiji's uh, offspring, the glorious um, young Suk. Uh, behind the scenes, I think Sai uh, and Yang Hyun Suk were like actual just friends, and he just on a lark produced the album for him.
0: Yeah. So so before before Cy blows the whole the roof off for YG, the lead up to that is their first artist, Keep Six, a hip hop act. This did not manage to get popular enough to uh, really make them a big successful label. However, they did get hits with the duo uh, Jinu Shan and the group One Time spelled out the number 1 TYM which were both K hip hop teams so still not like cr- still not able to break in or not at least not even trying to break in per se to the like full on like pop group situation but their first idol singer ends up being Seven back in 2003 and with him they attempted for the first time to break through in the US which did not quite work for them and I know that you have studied that uh specific issue for them Nathan why do you think Seven like what what was what's the deal with YG their attempt to break through, they've kind of done it now with Blackpink. And where did they go wrong with Seven?
4: Seven, like Boa, is a solo artist, uh, mainly focused on choreography uh, key points that you know, is very familiar to an audience or person that watches uh, him perform first time. Um, at the same time, I believe P or Rain from JYP was also promoting. They were kind of similar in the way they you know went about their concepts, but Seven. Was YG and I believe K-pop's first attempt at the American market. Um, they did throw a lot of money at it. Um, doing an American debut with Seven and I believe Lil' Kim. Oh. <laughs> if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, okay, I gotta look that up. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a music video for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at the time, it was... Some things are just too early. I don't know what the American landscape as far as pop music was at that time, but I mean, America loves solo artists. Uh, He's Asian. I I don't know how much of a factor that played, but I think it did play a factor for me. Sure, Back then
0: for, for sure. There just was not a lot of big Asian acts Mm -hmm. in the music industry. I feel like back then.
1: Yeah. Uh, You also mentioned uh, one time, another YG hip hop based group, um, that's pretty relevant to the story of Blackpink because that's where we're introduced to a, a guy named Teddy. Mm-hmm. Yes, Teddy, big big
0: part of this story. Um, the uh, I call him the secret masked man. No, but he's <laughs> uh, he. I, you can tell definitely that fame uh, uh, took a toll on him, and now he does not like to be uh, seen on air. And even in that documentary, he's masked the entire time, and I think just likes to be in the background. But he's essentially I mean, you could essentially. You could essentially consider him like a fifth secret member of Blackpink. I mean, all all of their songs go through him, and they work incredibly closely with him to create everything from the very beginning. And I like how he pushes. Like I like how in the documentary he talked about how uh, "Whistle" was like they. It was kind of a hard sell for them to make that one of the first singles, and you know, but it, because it's pretty, it's kind of low key and has this really cool swag to it, but not necessarily like that big explosive. First single per se from a, I could see that from a, a stand, the standpoint of YG, but like got that over just all these really cool choices that he makes in all of their music. But he's such a fundamental part of, of the whole machine that is Blackpink.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, then and then they, get, they eventually get their first idol uh, success with the group Big Bang in 2006, which led to the formation of the first girl group, which was 2NE1, which is the number 2 NE, the number 1, in 2009, and both groups also managed to cross over into the Japanese market before Psy hit the scene in 2009, and uh, yeah, it completely changed the game, and so th- that's essentially it, and th- the other thing too is really funny, watching your video, Nathan, mm-hmm. because... Um, I, one of the things in like, in studying about YG entertainment was like, and then they moved into a building and they kept making a big deal out of that. And I was like, okay, so what they like moved into a building. (laughs) Do you want to like explain what that, why that's a huge deal?
4: Well, uh, it's all a part of business. Um, if you can move into a a building that big, where the land alone is millions in a country like Korea, where real estate is nearly impossible to get, if you're trying to buy Rent for sure, but um, that that's a monumental step for any company, not necessarily just K-pop or music company in Korea to do. And uh, now they're moving into a bigger one. So, uh, oh is, wow, things
0: are going well. That building's fucking huge. It <laughs> for is. Stuff. You should look it up. It's crazy. It's like definitely. Definitely another just them making a statement, I feel like. And I was just like laughing watching it. The the other thing they got into was the televised music competition game. And this is one of my favorite things I learned about this episode was uh, they did the show When Who Is Next? And the winning group, uh, when they won, they were dubbed the name Winner, which is such a (laughs) cool move. And then they like they're just like, now we're winner, which is like I feel like so smart and hilarious. So anyways, that's that's where we get to. That. Now we finally, we are 40 minutes in. Now we can start talking about Blackpink. Jake, let's introduce the ladies. Um, where do you want to start?
1: Okay, so YG is at the top of their game. They got Big Bang with uh, G-Dragon and all these like huge monster, you know, the most popular K-pop band selling out arenas. Uh, to Anyone is like their kind of female mirror And where other girl groups are going like cutesy and going kind of like innocent, kind of, you know, uh, ingenue, kind of like, you know, just Britney Spears, uh, pre-toxic, I guess, Um, (laughs) to anyone, literally uh, part of the concept as originally described by YG founder uh, Yang Hyun Suk is uh, they're ugly. They're not your classic pretty girls. These are like... These are edgier girls. These are, you know, they got attitude and bad And together, they've really differentiated themselves. And To Anyone has a huge fan base. They are rocked by a... Uh, Nathan, what was the scandal that kind of like uh, stopped 2 Anyone in their tracks kind of abruptly?
4: Uh, so I believe that is the Park uh drug scandal, I guess you'd say. Now, when you hear that title, it sounds horrible. But... Basically, what happened is she had prescript. She she lived in America for some time, went to university here, uh, I believe in Boston. Um, And during that time, she had prescriptions for um, um, anxiety, Um, so she was taking that, and ultimately was taking it in Korea as well. But Korea didn't um, recognize it as a prescription, so honestly, it's a bit foggy for me, but. Basically, that's that's the gist of it. I don't know how that turned into a scandal, but definitely media blowing it way out of proportion like they usually do. Um, that's what happened.
0: Yeah, it's like I think being an American pop star would be really stressful. I couldn't imagine oh. having these extra re- insane <laughs> rules and when it comes to, you know... Like let the pop stars smoke weed. <laughs> They've had a long day. They need to just get a little ripped at the end of the night. I promise they'll remember the choreography <laughs> in the morning. Uh, but either way, uh, so yeah. the
1: the hype for YG's next girl group was super huge. There, mm-hmm. you know, two anyone had left a vacuum, and their promotional machinery with Big Bang was like so powerful that like there was already I'd you know just just millions of people who were eager specifically for the follow-up to, to anyone. And the, uh, the big idea for the next girl group, um, I have a quote, uh, from young, uh, from young Hyun Suk is, um, uh, I wanted to make the YG version of a girl group. Like I did with to anyone, but this time I wanted the girls to look pretty too. (laughs) And the idea was originally called, uh, I, I, it's Nathan, correct me if I'm wrong. I might have it wrong. Uh, Pink Punk is that it? That Punk
4: Pink was the project name, I guess you would call it. But even before then, um, YG was teasing with a video you can watch right now. I think it's still up. Uh, Future Twenty One, where they had trainees that mm. were doing their monthly evaluations. Um, we really didn't know what Future Twenty One was about, and I don't think we still do. Um, but <laughs> uh, to go back real quick, I think fans would want to uh, fans of YG would want me to mention that uh, Icon. Uh, from when who's next and then mm. mix and match uh, also debuted in yg that's for you uh mm, mm-hmm. icon fans out there um but um <laughs> yeah no um yeah, pink punk was the project name for blackpink uh there was that was when there was more trainees in the uh in the pool of who could debut in this new girl group uh, but ultimately through some brainstorming they came up with Pink.
0: Yeah, it was initially at one point it was nine members and then it ended up being pared down to the four. And I know that uh, they have even talked about I forget who specifically was talking about it from Blackpink. But in the documentary, just being like we would have to send a really good friend of ours home like every week. Like, I mean, just the um, amount of work that went into uh, the, the went into the. This and the years of commitment that went into this uh, were so brutal. And then you never knew if you were just going to go home the next day. You know, just absolutely a uh, uh, horrible situation in that sense. The stress of having to uh, send your friends home and everything like that. But it finally gets paired to the four. But they like this is such an interesting thing. We we don't get this, I think, in American uh, pop music a- at all, which is like this intense amount of speculation and um, and intense amount of waiting at, for this like debut to happen from a group that no one even knows what their sound is or anything, and then everybody's there for it
1: day one. In a million years, no one would like fall for a marketing thing that's like, "Hey, guess what? Interscope Records is going to unveil." An artist, like that's <laughs> the level of uh control, and uh, I guess their role in the narrative that the management companies and their executive boards uh has is like just completely different in K pop. Uh, but you're right, Holden, it's we should get, so while all so while YG is happening, they're also holding auditions and recruiting new trainees. And of those trainees, there are four. Um, I should we start with uh. How how should we go by age? Should we go by? So
0: I believe Jisoo is the first to join for the trainees. I think Ginny was the first to really be unveiled, I believe, in the marketing push. Right. As the like mystery girl. Yeah, Jisoo, born in South Korea, went to the School of Performing Arts in Seoul in 2011. She auditioned for YG Entertainment and joined as a trainee. And before Blackpink formed, she did some modeling and appeared in other artists' videos and whatnot. That's the thing that happens too that I learned this week. Essentially, as they're being like groomed and prepared for their big debut, they're featuring on songs. They're also what's the TV show that uh, I forget who who was in the TV show? It was like The Producers Mm. or something like that. Yeah, um, like K-Drama, like like they're kind of sprinkling them into some things, getting modeling contracts, stuff like that while they're preparing, because this stuff is insanely years in the making. I mean, I said she joined in 2011. They don't make their debut until 2016. And again, they have no idea if they're going to make it. They are in a sea of other talented uh, women all trying to get in a big, hot group.
1: And and so look to your left, look to your right. By the time you debut, one of Four you... Four of these women will be dead. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. They'll just simply have spinal injuries or get kicked out because one of their eyes is not symmetrical.
0: <laughs> so so Jisoo, I feel like, she has such a wonderful singing voice. I, I, I love, like, the timber of her voice. It really stands out with the rest of the group. Ginny uh, was, it's kind of... I believe she was the one who wanted to be, like, a ballet ballerina at first, and now she's, like, the badass, like, rapper of the group. Um, she was born in Seoul, and at eight years old, her family took her to a trip to New Zealand, and her mother asked her if she, uh, if she liked it there and wanted to stay. And she said yes, so she was sent to a study at an intermediate school there, which is a hilarious image in my mind. It's like, do you like New Zealand? Sure. All right, then. And then just shipped her off to... <laughs> So
1: this, I was there. really curious about this cause it is an odd life story. Um, Jenny, uh, what appears to be the case is that Jenny, uh, came from a family. Uh, she was born in the, uh, in the titular Gangnam district of Seoul, a very rich area. And her parents wanted her to learn English because it was, especially at that time, a considered a gateway to professional success and financial security, mm-hmm. um, The closest place where she could learn English in an an immersion kind of system, uh, living with a host family, was in New Zealand. And uh, it wasn't, and she lived happily. There's footage of her uh, in a documentary that came out, and it's called, like, literally English, The Route to Survival or something. And it appears, like, around the time where she was going to graduate high school, uh, she was told by her parents that she should go to university in America, Uh, She's an only child. She had already lived away from her family for so long. And like something snapped in her and she was like, nah, I want to I want to go home. I want to go back to Korea. I don't want to be the foreign kid anymore. Um, And that's when she made it back to uh, Seoul. And that's where she auditioned with YG and was kind of scooped up and brought into their trainee program.
0: And because she had such a good handle on the English language at that point, that's why she was pushed more into the rap. Uh, the rap part of the element of the group. And uh, she did actually originally wish to be a, ba- a ballet dancer, which would be quite different. She was first brought to the public eye via a photo titled, who's that girl <laughs> on YG's official blog, which became the most searched for topic on sites where she was also referred to as mystery girl. I feel like YG is very good at building hype almost to a fault where they're just like so precious with putting stuff out. And, you know, I think that's one of the big complaints with Blackpink and why the album was so, uh, lusted after this past year Was just because Hold was like, You
1: don't have to think You nailed it on the head um, <laughs> Jenny, yeah So Jenny is scooped up at age 14 At 14, she is recognized for her uh, Valuable set of skills Which is, she is attractive She can speak English with a very good She can speak English incredibly well Better than I can, apparently And uh, she ha- And she has this, like, youth And mystery about her um, the, another English speaker that gets picked up is, uh, Rosé. Rosé, I,
0: I call her the T-Swift of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, the singer-songwriter, sort of, with a heart of
1: gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, her family, uh, moved to Australia, and she was kind of a, I, I, you know, she didn't, I don't know if she was really a transplant. I think she was just a Australian kid of... Korean descent yeah, totally. and was uh, singing in her church choir and learning to play guitar and just kind of living that 2000s, yeah, T-Swift kind of life. And her dad, who was familiar with K-pop, was like, hey, why don't you uh, try, you know, they're having a YG tryout in Australia. A couple, you know, a thousand people are going to show up. It's not like you're going to get picked, but it'll be a fun afternoon. Mm-hmm. And of these, I don't know, thousand uh, people that tried out, she was the only one that got signed. And within, you know, a y- within months of this happening, her whole life got s- gets turned upside down. She's 15 and now is in this system.
0: Yeah, she said, and I'll show you. I didn't think that there was much of a chance for me to become a singer, especially to become a K-pop star. I was living so far from the country that it never really occurred to me as a possibility. And so, yeah, at 16 years old, she's she's uh, drops out of school, signs with them after her move to Seoul. And we mentioned G Dragon once already, but she features on a G
4: Dragon song that year. Now, what's the
0: deal with G Dragon exactly?
4: Oh, G Dragon. I mean, <laughs> yo, I mean, you're talking about. The God, well, I shouldn't say Godfather, but like the young Godfather <laughs> of K-pop. Like he, when you mentioned Big Bang in 21, that is the era, like we're talking Four Minute, Beast, uh, so many names that I, I can't even remember. The second generation of K-pop was that Hallyu wave you were mentioning. Uh, and G-Dragon was definitely a leader in that. Um, he's he's a leader in passion, style, concept, artistry, uh, of course, music and rap and singing um, all coming from YG's very, you know, humble beginnings because then when they were trainees, they lived in one apartment with the manager eating one meal a day, you know, that's all they could afford. And then, then they become huge. So like G dragon is the leader of big bang. He's the mastermind I'd say. And, um, yeah, he's, he, he's definitely the biggest, uh, male solo artist out of K-pop from a K-pop group. Uh, and still to this day. It's like featuring on a Kanye track right up Yeah, like how
0: huge of a deal that would yes. be to be able to be a part of that.
1: And then you have, I think, probably my
0: favorite member of the group. I can't choose between her, uh, her and Rosé, but Lisa. Born in uh, Pranpria, Manoban in Thailand. She's actually, this is a big deal, she's from Thailand. She's not from, uh, she's not Korean. She's, Later, she she actually, uh, that was her name, uh, Priya. She changed her name to Lalisa. I learned from uh, Nathan's video that that was because a fortune teller <laughs> told her she'd have better luck as Lalisa, which I guess turned out to be true.
1: Yet another sole winner of a in- gigantic mm-hmm. uh, talent competition that YG had in Thailand.
0: 4000 000- People showed up for that competition, and she was the only one to be passed.
4: It was the first time YG went to Thailand, too.
0: We should also mention, too, uh, Waza Kool, uh, which has a oh, weird yeah. Weez- connection to it as well that, again, I learned from Nathan's videos. Who was in that photo? Who was in the group with her?
4: Yeah, so Wiza Cool was... Uh just a ragtag bunch of dancers in Thailand. Um, and in that group was a young Bam Bam from GOT7 uh, from a group from JYP Entertainment. Uh, they're they're, they're a staple in K-pop now. But uh, back then, you just see them like so young and just uh, having fun dancing. And that's that, that led them to somehow end up in the same spot. Almost
0: so they all they all end up in this massively long term training program. They finally I'd be so curious. I feel like this is the stuff I don't get to really get the intel on that. I wish I know more about like the puppeteers that placed them together and like what that process was. You know what I mean? And how they ended up on these four specific women. To, to, to you know, be the next big thing. I, that's the science I'd love to know more about.
1: The details that come out, I, just in, like, scant interviews and even in the Netflix documentary, uh, really gives a glimpse into a truly grueling process where, like, they are, you know, going through dance uh, choreography around the clock, having to do weekly evaluations. It almost seems like a, you know five-year-long hazing ritual to just, like, <laughs> completely break you down and build you back up. Um, at some point, um, Lisa, who is uh, the maknae, the youngest, the cute one of the group, uh, La Lalisa, uh, which, if you see any footage of her, bright, bubbly, funny, always, like, eager to, like, make the joke, be silly. She was a guest judge on a Korean dance competition. And her in, like, in coach mode, in trainer mode, she is like a completely different person. She is huh. like, like not giving anyone any slack. She's talking down to people. She is like, I feel like for a brief moment we get a glimpse at how those choreographers and those managers were talking to her back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a, lo- it's kind of amazing to see that level of like stern face, no nonsense, like get it right or don't get it at, or like don't waste my time.
4: Yeah, that was yeah. I, th- th- Oh, were you gonna say? No, I was saying the uh, Youth For You was a Chinese survival show, I guess, um, where she was the mentor in. And that definitely made the rounds on K-pop Twitter and everywhere. Like how I like this was a side never before seen uh, by Lisa. Uh, some people loved it. Most people loved it, actually. Uh, but, uh, you know, some people critiqued her for that. But um, it's, it's definitely like you
0: wouldn't say. <laughs> so K- K-pop fans took issue with anything. Yeah, but it's like Jake
4: said, you um, uh, Is how she was taught, you know? So, sure, she can have her own style, but, I mean, there was a moment in there she told some girl, she was like, I told you to smile. Why didn't you smile? Mm. (laughs) Nothing,
1: no emotion. (laughs) But that's, like, definitely, because, you know, they have to, everything has to be perfect. Yeah, They don't just have to get the hand moves right. They have to make the right faces at the right key. They can't, like... In front of all those cameras, in front of all these millions of fans, they can't even check out for even a split second. And that requires an insane amount of discipline, a level of discipline that like, you know, in in, at least in America, like the people that can pull off that level of commitment are deified as these like gods of entertainment. You know, people uh, I'm going to problematically say Michael Jackson, these, uh, (laughs) you know. These almost superhuman people that can, like, be 100% in it and hit every mark and be fully committed. Like, to create that level of performance uh, integrity takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of harsh training. And, and that's
0: why I feel like Teddy's this other cool element that I don't get that vibe from. That he's there to... Work with them. He's like, I I know in the documentary, he was like, I wish I had someone like I want to be the person I wish I had when I was, you know, doing my thing in in one time. And uh, in one time, that's where he cut his teeth on production, songwriting, that sort of thing. Then he ends up uh, he ends up just becoming the an internal producer for YG and not a performer. He starts out working with groups Big Bang and To Anyone, uh, of course, YG's first girl group. And after becoming the in-house producer, he, as I said, refused to be on camera and then just became like Blackpink's just number one, including getting his own sub label, which I think is a big deal because i feel like yg is like very controlling and that he got to have his own little house within the house i think is
1: kind of huge Mm -hmm. uh for sure so teddy teddy park is a is a very unique guy he was brought into yg as a member of the boy group one time very uh hip-hop influenced and uh even though he was born in korea he uh moved to america as a young child he uh uh, you know, was went to high school in California and uh, became friends with other uh, hip hop loving uh, Korean performers. And by the time he made it back to America, he really kind of defined this uh, synthesis sound. Um, one of his, one of the early hits he, well, not early, I guess. One of the hit songs he produced is, uh, I believe. Hold on, I wrote it down because I'm a, I'm a great researcher. <laughs> bang 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 for big bang which uh Mary if you can just pipe in a little bit of it it sounds like a black pink song like he definitely has a house style
5: That's bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang,
3: bang. bang 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 bang
1: bang which is uh big EDM hooks like uh synth horns blaring uh really memorable simple uh english hooks uh, a, a lot of uh, onomatopoeia in his uh, lyrics. It's, it, it he really kind of uh, brought this perfect, he took all the things that like Western uh, pop acts were succeeding with and brought it into the K-pop formula in a way that is like uniquely his. You can like hear a Teddy Park song and immediately know it's him. Uh, be- and in a way, uh, Blackpink has so many hits and has so many... Um, So much, uh, I guess clout is because their sound is so, uh, recognizable and steadfast because he's the one that works with them exclusively, uh, along with other producers, but he is there with them. Like a lot of other K-pop groups kind of, will just try out different concepts, different sounds, uh, play around. Um, oh, is, uh, like Latin, uh, is like Latin music hot? Like throw in some Latin sounds is, uh. Is Arab music hot? Throw in some Arab sounds. Is uh, trap music hot? Throw in some trap sounds. While Teddy kind of gradually brings in all these different influences, but keeps it within his personal zone. And he definitely uh, has a lot to do with Blackpink's success.
4: Yeah. You know, YG Entertainment, a lot of K pop fans, early in the day, second generation, it was like the YG sound because 21 had mm. it, Big Bang had it, eventually, Winner, Icon, Blackpink, and now Treasure. Um but Teddy was different. There was there are big name producers, K pop hitmakers in K pop. We're talking Brave Sound, Brave Brothers. We're talking Shinsa Don Tiger, you know, EXID's uh Up Down, um so some other uh classic K pop hits. Uh but no nobody was in house like Teddy was. Um homegrown like yeah. full like company grown and he's been there since the beginning.
0: Uh, Caroline Sue, who directed the documentary "Light Up the Sky," the uh, uh, about Blackpink, said, "Before we really sat down with Teddy, all of the members talked about him as if he was their older brother, someone they confide in, kind of like a wise sage. And I feel like he comes off like that in in the documentary. Like he's just sort of like very low key, very chill, but like very comforting, very much like a father figure. I feel like." to the group so in 2016 of august they released the single square uh, the single album rather square one with the songs whistle and boom Baya. ya and uh, this was uh, written by bi from the group icon which you j- just mentioned teddy park and becca boom and it was produced by teddy and becca boom becca boom is an american singer and songwriter that has written a bunch of songs for yg groups like winner and icon and also co-wrote uh boom Baya, ya as well as do 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 and kill this love and ice cream. So like some of their hugest, hugest tracks. And yeah, and uh, then they come out with Square Two just a couple months after Square wait, One. Wait, wait, we
1: got it. We got to do. We got to break <laughs> down uh, "Boombayah" and "Whistle" because sure. Internet's Nathan. Can you explain how much of an atomic bomb blast "Boombayah" and "Whistle" were? And can you explain the super rookie phenomenon that Blackpink embodied upon their debut?
4: Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So. Click clack bada bing bada boom, you know. Boombayah, uh, Boombayah. Uh, <laughs> boom uh, These
1: girls are in my
0: area. Get out of my area. <laughs> uh,
4: you know, Blackpink's <laughs> debut was uh, much anticipated, like any group from the big three or big four. Now, uh, definitely, YG has more hype than most K-pop companies. But um, Blackpink with Boombayah, and they they didn't usually K-pop groups debut with one, you know, title track. They debuted with two leading tracks, Boombayah, Whistle. And then it almost felt like multiple at the end, you know, later on when they released more. Um, But the, uh, what do you call it, Monster Rookie uh, phenomenon? Yeah, something. Yeah, Monster Rookie. (laughs)
3: Um,
4: I don't know exactly who was that created for, really. I mean, Winner is a huge Monster Rookie. They had the fastest music show win in K-pop history in like six days since a debut. Basically, the monster rookie is just a term for like a group that debuts and immediately they are covered by the media. Immediately they sell like 100,000 copies, right? Uh, they, they chart, uh, they top charts in Korea, the Melon chart, um, and all that. So there are monster rookies that are outside of the big three, but mainly it does happen in the big three. And Blackpink was definitely one of them for sure.
0: Hell yeah. And then and then with just a couple months later, they after square one, they do square two, which features actually my current favorite song of theirs, going back and listening to their catalog with playing with fire. Mm -hmm. I like love that song and uh, just has such like a positive. I love it. They also like when they do the montage in the documentary of them, like their rise to success, like that's the song that plays in the background. It does have that vibe of like triumph and just positive vibes and everything. And uh, also the song Stay. And, uh, yeah, that, that was their, their thing. But again, we're four songs. That's all we got four songs. And, you know, that's 2016, essentially. Uh, but that's it's what we-
1: such a, all, right off the gate. They have this perfect formula because they have Lisa and Jenny as the rappers and mm-hmm. Rose and Jisoo as the singers. And it's, uh, it's, it's almost like a superhero team or a D and ca- D campaign group. Everyone has their roles. And almost like uh, like the Beatles, these four personalities and these four energies are just arranged in this perfect way where it's always Jenny opening it up with uh, just her like kind of rhythmic inviting because she's cute. But she's also like a diva. She's also kind of uh, badass. And they invite it in Rose comes in with the uh, like bright, shiny crystal, like a bell, Disney princess vocals. Um, Jisoo follows up with, uh, her vocals, which are kind of a, a lower register, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little, there's always like a little bit of a cooler drama, a little, bit, of drama, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little yeah, bit no, of cool literally, drama. Literally like she ups the drama. The beats are, you know, raising up and then they, there's always like a silent beat and then they hit you with the hook and you just, and then the dance track just keeps going. Lisa comes in rapping super hard in also everyone the English lines are intercut super singable and work seamlessly with the Korean lyrics and all four girls have really great English accents so the a lot of times I'll be listening to a K-pop song and they bring in the English hook and I it's just the the awkwardness is just too big of a hurdle and Mm. I'm like I appreciate this I'm not going to hear this blasting out of cars like in in my neighborhood um and the and just their international makeup, their energy, it just works. Oh, and I, we got to talk about that uh, the key to this is Blackpink's uh, concept, the girl crush concept. Uh, Nathan, can you talk about this and what kind of vibe Blackpink is throwing down, unconsciously or consciously?
4: All right. So the girl crush concept, uh, K-pop likes to... Um go with concepts. Like this is the theme of the comeback. This is what we're going to wear. It's going to match the song and everything, right? It's a whole marketing package. Oh,
0: real quick too. Comeback does not mean like the comeback you would think of in America where someone like goes away for a long time and then has a big comeback. Comebacks literally just when they release another uh, EP or album or anything. Yeah.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so the girl crush concept really doesn't come around to like the second generation. First generation was all about, you know, uh, Cutesy maybe, a uh, bit more softer, ballast like you mentioned. Um, and then 21 comes around, 4Minute comes around, uh, and then they they take it a different direction. Uh, that would technically be Girl Crush, but at this point in K-pop, Girl Crush has been overplayed uh, a lot. Um, but th- there there are still some gems in there. Um, the Girl Crush concept is... Uh, uh, <laughs> basically every girl group has done a girl crush concept. If they're not just strictly this, they've done a girl. crush. But what is girl crush? What is it to be girl crush? Why is girl crush? <laughs> okay, so I gave examples of 21 and 4 minute, but girl crush is, like you said, they're, they're trying to be rude. They're trying to be out there. They're trying to be loud. You know, uh, I don't know what, how else to describe
1: it you know because it's not about getting the boys to go ha cha 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 it's not like i want to marry these girls no it's about the female audience going i want to be these girls i just hit my microphone i want to <laughs> be these girls
4: yes that's true um, that reminds me of like specifically kind of like what mama is doing recently with hip or oh, songs like Mamamoo.
1: That. Mamamoo is amazing. Everybody should listen yes, to Mamamoo
4: it, after it, they turned Yes. It it's up. definitely they they took a bit of a turn from their debut or what they're most popular for which was vocals and stuff. They still have that, but they've done a more girl crush. They've done a more mature and like the female audience in Korea. Come on. They 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 love Kwasa. They love uh Solar, we like they're 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 huge right now because of that.
1: So how does Blackpink embody the Girl Crush concept? What are they doing
4: that communicates that? It's definitely the the lyrics they choose. If you know the English part of the rap, Lisa and Jenny embody that in, in part of it. Um, with songs like, uh, not necessarily Ice Cream, but Sour Candy, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, B-Side tracks in their latest uh, The Album um, uh, track listing. Uh, it, it's, it's the lyrical part of it. Sure, in the performance, they're going to have that piercing, you know, this they're on this stage, they're here to own this stage for, you know, the performance. Uh, it, it's all about the uh, attitude. Uh, hell yeah.
0: They, so, here we are, we're in 2017. We've got, now we've got the fan club being established as uh, Blink, and people who are big fans are Blinks. Their first standalone single was released in 2017 with As If It's Your Last, which pushed their sound forward by further mixing several genres of music, but also this is where they really cross over into Japan in a huge way. They have a self-titled Japanese extended play in August of 2017, which is a month after they performed in Tokyo for 14,000 people. And uh, this is when they do the weird Blackpink house. Is this standard for every K-pop group that Mm. they do this like ridiculous cutesy kind of Thing, like like reality not real show. real world not real world is what I'll call it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if a company is big enough and they have like the you know production to to do it, they they will do maybe even vlogs. But a high production thing like Blackpink House, every group in YG has gotten their own um, you know reality show, if not um, like YouTube original, like mm-hmm. Big Bang. Um, yeah, every it's it's the one thing about k-pop i love and that sets it apart from any other music genre is that the artist there is so much content to devour from the artist and from the company like you're not going to get a reality show of every single artist in america or you know vlogs or something but in korea you can look up tons hours of content of your favorite idol group most of the time and i think that helps mm. with the the marketing of it the, uh getting people uh, in, invested into these artists and, and singers.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, so it's not till 2018 that I f- hear about Blackpink with, uh, when they release Square Up, which features the song Do 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 which I think is what really pushed them. Just I mean, they, they clearly just, they're charting in UK, in the US at this point. Blackpink! The music video gets over 36 million views in the first 24 hours of release they sell out their first tour in Japan they put on a huge so, uh, show in Seoul which led to the in your area world in your area world tour and uh then you've got just and and just i think the big sign is uh, one of my favorite pop artists, uh, Dua Lipa, brings them in for a song, uh, Kiss and Makeup, which is fantastic. In October of 2018, they signed with Interscope Records. And that, and that is when you made your video about why predicting Blackpink being like a huge hit in America. And you were so right back in 2018. And that marked it with that deal with Interscope, which is unique, right, for a K-pop group.
4: Yeah, I, I basically forgot about that video, but sometimes it gets recommended to me, like, oh my God, I forgot to make this. But, um, <laughs> you know, ever since people started, um, you know, uh, having the exodus of, you know, regular pop music in America, people were tired of it, whatever was played on the radio, repeated over over and over and over. They were looking for something different and they found K-pop like me. So when, when it comes to that, people are, you know, hold their K-pop groups close and they're like, this is why this group could be successful, you know, the, the biggest. And this group could cross over to America for this reason, that reason whatsoever. That, a lot of videos have been made about that since a long time ago. Um, but uh, when, when, when you start making deals like this, uh, it is only like the biggest um, K-Pow companies that can do it. YG did, um, the reason they went with Interscope, I think is because they also signed Psy to Indroscope. Uh, um, when he was promoting in America and worldwide. Um, so, you know, exclusive rights to the music whatsoever, you know, copyright can be an issue on YouTube a lot of times. Um, but uh, so, yeah, Black, I mean, Interscope was the natural choice. Um, it, it, it opens up a whole new avenue uh, that not many K pop groups can reach. Um, even so, like SM did, uh, you know, uh, debuted Super M, which is a combination of their biggest members from their biggest groups, uh, boy groups. And um they signed with uh Capital Music. Capital. Capital, yeah. And they had a big debut showcase at the headquarters and all that. So um it's happening a lot more. And but at that time when Blackpink signed with Indoscope, I think it was definitely worth uh, a mention. And I mean, I you can't really say that I predicted it. A lot of people could have predicted it. <laughs> you you know. called it English you speakers, it. you know, the type of music. Uh
0: I will yeah. say you also said they'd be a flash in the pan situation and, and would only be popular for just a little bit and then kind of go away. So to, to your credit, got I remember you got your that other
1: way. video that was like <laughs> Lisa
0: are her legs up, upsettingly long? I believe so. <laughs> I never said that in a video please. Don't come after him. Uh he's a good guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this 2017-2018 the do 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 era kind of highlights uh the 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 uh kind of the, the ecstasy and the agony of Blackpink fandom, because at this point they still uh-huh. didn't have an album. Uh, they were the monster rookies, so they didn't need to promote on the same level as uh, more struggling K-pop acts. So like besides their reality show, there weren't really like a lot of talk show appearances. There weren't they didn't have to do media tours. They didn't have to do a lot of the kind of song and dance that a lot of K-pop fans thrive on to just keep them interested and keep them devouring that content. Mm. So uh, a lot of people were like, uh, a backlash kind of appeared where people are like, why are they so big? They only have like six songs, nine if you count the Japanese versions. Even on their own, uh, the world tour that uh, you mentioned, Holden, uh, there's clips of like during their stage banter being like, sorry, uh, our show's almost over. We don't have that many songs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and also I think just like, Where's the music, YG? And there was already a little bit of backlash with YG, which we didn't even really don't even have time to get into, but just know there was a bit of a sex worker scandal and all sorts of things. The head of uh, YG had to step down. It was like this whole crazy situation.
1: Meanwhile, the girls are picking up um, tons of uh, sponsorships. They're becoming the brand ambassadors for all these insane global fashion brands. Jenny is like the ambassador, is the muse of Chanel. Uh, you know, uh, Lisa works for Celine, um, Jisoo works for Dior, like all, uh, and I guess what is, that leaves Rosé with Yves Saint Laurent, like, uh, you know, they're making money, they're making headlines, they're like building in popularity, but not playing by the kind of rules to, that the K-pop fans were kind of used to. And mm-hmm. it creates this weird tension of like... Are they ignoring us? Are they too good for us? Or is it like, no, you got to trust the plan. YG is making <laughs> us want it. They're holding it back. They're being like, oh, you want these girls? You can't have these girls.
0: I think Teddy, too, talks like is also incredibly precious about what he puts out under yeah. the Blackpink name, too. So it's partly YG. It's also partly actually wanting to put good product out. But either way, their third extended play, Kill This Love, comes out uh, with the single of the same name. And, I, uh, and Mary, again, can I, you
1: just, uh, just yeah. play a little bit of Kill This Love? Just so people truly understand the unstoppable horn section that drove an entire world to chaos. Let's get-
0: Yeah, that was what started me down my road. like. To do to do was like was like wow, that's really cool. And then I think Kill This Love hit, and I was like, oh, this is like I'm it. I'm actually just gonna start really paying attention to this, these people. This is a fucking dope sound. And uh, that that I think was it's between that and then they perform at 2019's Coachella Festival, and they were the first K-pop group to do so. This is my favorite part of the documentary. I know I keep talking about this documentary because I really like that documentary, but um that you see this moment backstage. I think it's Rosé or somebody is like, I, I hope like a couple hundred people show up. <laughs> 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 like, I, and, and, I, and they seem to be genuine and not joking. And literally then they see how many people are out in the audience. They're like, what? Why is this happening? And then like, you can tell they took that energy. They hit the stage with so much energy. It was so, such a commanding performance. By the way, look it up, Coachella Week 1. You can see the whole mm. thing on YouTube. It is phenomenal. I I absolutely love this performance, especially week one. Week two's pretty solid, but not quite as good because you can tell they're just so thrilled to hear their own lyrics being shouted at them by this giant sea of an American audience, this huge music festival like they just. And also, I think it was uh, Lisa who talked about um, afterwards. She was like it was like that moment where and I love this in every artist's. Story and every I th- I feel like if you're an artist you kind of go through this at some point. They were like, we put the work in and we got and we could just go out there and finally just start having a fucking blast on stage and you, that comes through I think so well in in their performance and um just a, a huge turning point for them, and I think obviously a huge part of their they were like talk of the festival. Everybody you know it was just this huge deal for everybody and to make a splash in America it's like it, Coachella is the place to do it I mean to get out there and you know I mean, obviously like Beyonce's homecoming like all that sort of stuff I mean it's a, it's the place to really like be a showstopper so that is now that is what I feel like perpetuates them into this whole other level which is now now we're weirdly getting up to date in the year of this recording 2020 when pandemic hits and uh, kind of as pandemic's happening, they're finishing up and putting out their first full-length album, uh, as well
1: as Sour we Candy. full-length, but it is 24 minutes long. It is long. a 24-minute,
0: in beautiful Blackpink fashion, it's not actually even really a full-length album at the end of the day. But it's their first LP, and uh, it's just called The Album, and uh, then also, yeah, Sour Candy, which was on Lady Gaga's album, which I was really, like, pleasantly surprised. I was really excited about the new Lady Gaga album uh, coming out. And uh, that song was originally written by Madison Love, wrote for tons of pop artists like Pitbull and Camilla Cabello, uh, and along with hit makers like Blood Pop and Rami uh, Yakub, And they were just toying with the idea of the song they brought it to lady gaga who loved the track and they were even considered like they were like oh this could actually be a good blackpink song and then lady gaga i think separately was like i want blackpink on this song <laughs> which is pretty cool and so yeah gaga said i wanted to celebrate them because they love powerful women like us and they also wanted to celebrate me and we had a great time together with this song i was so excited to hear them interpret the song in korean and told them that the part was so creative, that that part was so creative and fun. I was impressed when I heard their singing voice. I feel like it's hard to get a good juicy quote for uh, pop music interviews. It's always just like, we had fun, and they were good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be good for uh, the marketing company if all of a sudden we found out
4: Jisoo's real thoughts about the Korean War. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, the funny thing about Lady Gaga is that that's not the first time she's collaborated with a K-pop group before Oh, okay. Uh, she brought a group, girl group called Crayon Pop on tour. When uh, Crayon Pop became popular with Bar Bar Bar, uh, that became a viral sensation. And so Lady Gaga had. Or Wait, her, is that
1: the song with the girls going? Huh? Uh, huh. That's
4: Orange Caramel.
1: Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, oh, <laughs> delete civil. it. Delete it. Delete it. My spot <laughs> got blown
4: up by Internet's Nathan. <laughs> no, but yeah, Lady Gaga has kept her eye on the on K-pop, if not her agency or whatever. So. Yeah, it's interesting to see it continue
0: on. Hell yeah, I've, I love that. And uh, yeah, the they of course then drop uh, uh, How You Like That and then Ice Cream as their uh, lead up singles for the album release. And the actually, I, d- I didn't know Ice Cream featuring Selena Gomez. Really fun music video. I, I enjoy that song a lot. That was actually co-written by Ariana Grande. It was mm-hmm. kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, I, it
1: was weird seeing her name on the credits. I was yeah. like, what? I couldn't find any more information.
0: Um, and then the third single, Lovesick Girls, uh, which Jisoo and Ginny actually helped compose and write. And I hope that they get to have more, even more uh, influence on stuff. And also, just, just to, like, shoot at home, like, how huge they are at this point, they had a song featuring Cardi B, which is, like, yeah. ridiculous. You know what I mean? Not, not only dead. did
1: they have a song written by Cardi B, but Cardi B had to write about, uh, gave an interview and talked about the challenges of having to write PG-13 <laughs> lyrics for the <laughs> first time in a decade. That's so because, funny. like... K pop, despite all this power, despite all the girl crush energy, despite the defiance, the fashion, the global domination, still has to obey a very specific set of social mores, which is very interesting to me. That even Cardi B has to be like, hug me, kiss me, give me a hug, don't wait for marriage. <laughs>
0: So, uh, yeah, now we're actually literally catching up to the date of this recording. We, they uh, The album drops in October of 2020, which is bl- blows me away because I feel like that album's been out all year. Uh, but either way, they uh, yeah, they talked a lot. Hopefully this is what's happening right now. I don't know what they're doing right now. But A, hopefully they're, they're letting them sleep a little bit. I hope they're getting rest because <laughs> oh. it seems like they are very exhausted from what I saw in the documentary from the constant touring and everything. But it also they, there was a lot of talk about how they were like, we are having such a great time in the studio right now. We are getting so much work done. We're, we're hoping we just keep this ball rolling. So hopefully right now they're recording a bunch of shit.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. If I know YG, they have a lot of stuff in the vault for all their groups and artists. Um, but as far as rest for Blackpink, I don't think so. Uh, they're gearing up for uh, an <laughs> online concert. Uh, yeah, live dude, online December concert.
0: 27th. Yeah. I'm so excited for this. Pay-per-view, December 27th. Uh, it, it, I, I didn't know about this until like literally earlier today when I was finishing <laughs> up my research. But that's super exciting. That's the day before my birthday, too. So oh. what a treat. I'm going to enjoy the shit out of that. Um, and also, I don't, I, I'm just going to mention the, the full name again. Check out Blackpink Light Up the Sky on Netflix. Was directed by Caroline Sue. I feel like it is the most reveal. I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough K-pop like documentaries, but I feel like it's more revealing than what you normally get in a K-pop documentary. Mm, I'll, I'll at least say yeah. I would say it's a little bit of more of the cat in the bag. They at least talk about working too hard, how shitty the training process was. Um, you know how difficult it can be to be in like the the you know in the fame game you know cycle of work and and just everything else uh for so long and and so i i, I appreciated that that they were at least able to put a, able to put a few cards onto the table so and and that was what sue wanted to do wanted to humanize them wanted to make them you know show like reveal them as like actual human beings as opposed to just this like thing this like k-pop entity so uh yeah that's where we're at today um and that's
1: all i've got uh Jake, Nathan, anything to uh, you want to say to wrap this up? Having dipped my toe into the world of K-pop in this past year, it really highlights like what Blackpink does right and truly how it really had to be these four girls to make this leap uh, from a cultural perspective. They're you know, besides the fact that they're all impossibly beautiful, incredibly skinny, twenty-three-year-old women which is always a plus in the world of K-pop, in the world of pop music. Just the way that they brought together the uh, the sounds and, like, uh, Teddy's EDM influences. So, like, basically it every song has, like, the kind of Avicii Swedish House Mafia club-like thumping power. It has the uh, defiant rap attitude of uh, a Cardi B or a Megan Thee Stallion. It's just all these songs are just these perfect, like nearly unstoppable hits that will anybody can find uh, something to hook onto and keep it bouncing around in their skulls after they hear it. Um, The fact that, you know, the world is ready for K-pop and, you know, again, all these fashion brands, all these high-end makeup companies are all looking at these girls and being like, you represent what this world wants and the world is giving it back and saying like, yeah, I want to be like, I want to be defiant, but also cheerful and bright like Lisa. I want to have like this impossible elegance like Jisoo. I want to be, uh, you know, a, a diva like Jenny. I want to uh, just be this like soulful songwriter like Rosé. Like it, it's all the pieces are in place. It's I I like the Beatles. It's this perfect marriage of the right time, the right place, the right energy, uh Ratios within the group, all within this, uh, emerge this cresting wave of Korean pop, uh, at an exact second where maybe uh, American fans aren't as into what America is about these days. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and Nathan, what I want to ask you is like, what is within the greater K pop universe? What do you think Blackpink does differently that does set them apart? And what do you think they do that, um, Embodies what K-pop is about as well.
4: Well, I think you can uh, pinpoint different generations from like uh, SOTD and Boys breaking a barrier in hip hop to BOA breaking another uh, market to Psy breaking into the world. Uh, you know, it's step by step. And Blackpink, as far as this generation, has uh, done a lot for specifically girl groups. Uh, BTS, boy group, of course. But no other girl group has, has, has done as much as uh, Blackpink has done. Social media presence is huge compared to anybody else in K-pop, you know, comparable to American pop artists. Um, and as much as a marketing thing it is to hold back on content, to starve the fans a little bit, uh, like you mentioned, uh, that definitely plays a role. Um, but as of now, since the new management in YG, supposedly new management in YG is taking hold, uh, they're releasing a lot more. Unusual. usual they're giving a lot more freedom to to create more content uh which i think is in turn uh, is needed especially these days when everyone's at home trying to you know watch something spend some time doing something else uh it is it is great timing for blackpink blackpink is different because they have an english uh, very strong english speaking um presence in the group unlike other k-pop groups where there's one one english speaker or maybe two if you're lucky um And, uh, yeah, like you said, they represent, uh, different personalities. They represent different types of people that could be out there. And, uh, right now is a great time for, uh, K-pop. And I want to say like K-pop music genres, they they get a huge surge and they come, they come like top 10 most listened to genres in the world. Uh, and then most of the time they don't go anywhere. Classical music is still a huge music genre. And I think K-pop isn't going anywhere either. In fact, it's still climbing to bigger heights and blackpink is definitely uh right up there with that so uh yeah blackpink uh they have a lot more to to do probably uh with features and probably having a bigger presence and longer stay in america instead of going back and forth uh they're they're gonna have a lot more projects in the works
1: So you're saying Blackpink is going to be in our area for quite some time. (laughs)
4: Everyone's area for quite some time, whether they like it
1: or
0: not. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. Thank you again for doing this episode with us. Uh, Again, it's Internet's Nathan. Uh, Fantastic stuff, man. Uh, Honestly, definitely check out if you want to know more about the history of all this and about what's happening currently. Definitely check out Internet's Nathan on YouTube. And remember to smash that subscribe button. So are you. Break your mouse. Uh, your finger goes through the mouse and you're bleeding horribly all over the place. You have to go to the hospital. That's how I w- hard I want you to smash that sub button. And uh, do you have anything else you want to promote or is that about it?
4: No, just uh, Internet's Nathan, one word. Uh, YouTube mainly, you know, social media, Instagram, uh, Twitter and all that. Uh, but yeah, oh, thank yeah. you so much for having me. Uh, my first ever like guest appearance on a podcast. It I was, love it, man. It was, man. I it was you, great.
0: I hope you get to do more because I feel like you're a wealth of information uh, over here and uh, it's really, really helpful, especially as K-pop becomes more and more popular and I think people are really, really trying to get into it mm.
1: on a deeper level. We'll have you on on our uh, double-length episode about
4: TXT and The Boys. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I'm glad to be on to talk about K-pop, specifically <laughs> K-pop.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, also, check out uh patreon.com forward slash whizbrew every single week we have new bonus episodes for just five dollars a month uh also you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash holdenators oh uh i'm streaming monday tuesday friday nights but you probably already know that because i say this every week jake
1: If you want an inside look at the creative process behind this podcast, go to patreon.com slash whizbrew and join up to be a part of our Sunday study group where we live stream our research, whether that's doing a movie watch party, uh, engaging in maybe uh, YouTube videos such as those of Internet's Nathan, as we watched last week, uh, playing games, doing all sorts of things. Uh, You help us forge the episodes for the coming week. If you go to patreon.com slash whizbrew and look up the Sunday study group. And obviously you can follow me on Twitter slash best and see all of my horrifying thoughts.
0: <laughs> all right. And always remember, never stop whizzing. And keep on bruising. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.